We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch, 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paul with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. And from the Bears brothers, Will DeWitt. He's here to sit down with us. Get in on this huge matchup between, the Sunday, between on Sunday Night Football, the NFC North League Chicago Bears and our Los Angeles Rams. Before we talk to Will, though, we do, we do remind you that we're pretty much everywhere. Podcasts can be found, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, our radio. I mean, it, we're everywhere. Also, don't forget to check out our other shows on the site, Butting Heads and Rampage Radio. Will, Norm, how are you guys doing tonight? 
Well, I'm doing quite well. I want to appreciate you guys, of course, for uh, having me on. I know you're actually anticipating one of my co-hosts, but I'm glad to be able to uh, fill in the spot for you guys tonight. And, of course, right after your show, we're going to kind of turn the tables a little bit. I'm going to get to interview both of you, so I'm very excited for that as well. But, uh, no, I'm doing quite well. Thank you. I'm still recovering from the road trip home, but I'm doing good. <laughs> recovering? What would you do? Just sleep all day? I drove a Prius, remember? That's true. Yes, this is true. You drove a Prius. Not my, it's not mine. For all for all the fun you made of me for getting rid of the truck, you drove a Prius. I, yeah, I, but uh, but I still own an F three fifty crew cab, and you still have a minivan. So you know it is what it is. So all right. So you heard you guys heard Will Wright tonight. We are um, going on his show after we're done here. So you'll get two perspectives. We'll make sure you put we put the link up for our show, and then we'll also be putting the link up for his show as well. And yes, yeah, his our normal DeBear's Brothers guy is Brandon Hazlett, and man, he just made things so hard. Will, make sure you let him know that we're highly disappointed in his actions. How dare he? Hey, I tonight. am as well. I am as I, well. I mean, we're talking about it before we went live. You always have to, uh, you know, give a little extra ribbing to your co host. I'll definitely make sure to follow up on that later on this week. All right. So that's good. You know, I smack Derek around all the time. So <laughs> lately. Okay, so, you know, the Bears, this team, when we talked with Brandon during the offseason, we both had the impression, and Norm too, that the Bears were up and coming. But, honestly, they probably don't get as much natural coverage as they should. So give us some background. How was this current Bears team built for this year? Sure. Yeah, well, that's a great question. And it really, um, a few years ago when Ryan Pace, our general manager, kind of came into town, his first words um, and his kind of his mantra was that we're going to build this team through the draft. And that's exactly how this team was built, um, especially on defense. Um, when you're looking at our secondary, uh, pretty much everyone besides Prince of Mukamara, we brought in either through the draft or uh, afterwards as an undrafted free agent as our nickel corner, Bryce Callahan. Um, but you're looking at everybody here up front. It's been pretty much the draft and then supplementing it with some top-tier free agents like uh, this year we brought in an Allen Robinson on offense, a Taylor Gabriel, a Trey Burton to kind of be some supplemental pieces. Um, but really it all boils down to the draft. Either it would be a Mitchell Trubisky last year as the second overall pick, um, finding a Tariq Cohen in the fourth round, and Eddie Jackson too in the fourth round, the same exact draft. Um, this team, it took a lot of years um, for us to kind of right the ship um, after some very much of a downtime. Uh, but now with a few uh draft classes in a row that are very strong that are kind of coming into their own now uh you're starting to see this rise of the Bears defense and on top of that like i said just a few uh supplemental free agents as well but of course a cleo mac falling into your lap uh seven days before the regular season kicks off of course makes life so much easier to be a fan of any team no matter where he ended up but of course he's here in chicago so that's been a big boost for our defense as well well, it's obviously going to be a pretty premier matchup with Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, you know, going at each other opposite sides of the ball, obviously not or opposite sides. They'll be on the field at different times, but you'll get to see what they can do. But as far as Trubisky goes, you know, what's his status? Is he going to play Sunday or? Great question. I wish I can tell you for sure. I wish I had some insight here. Um, as of right now, uh, he's not doubtful, but there is some doubt 
about the shoulder. Uh, at least right now, they're still calling it a day-to-day. He's uh, looking and feeling better, but he's still not 100% taking over like first-string snaps at practice. I'm sure tomorrow on Wednesday, we're going to find out a lot about his status for this week. Um, but as of right now, I can't say 100% he's playing, but I think we can all be real when we can say that the Bears, it would be a mistake to not put him out there against the Rams if they want to kind of use this game as that benchmark game to see where they exactly they stand in the NFC. So for me, I put my money that he's playing. There was a video that came out a few hours ago through one of our receivers' uh, Instagram accounts of uh, Trubisky playing ping pong last night pretty well with that right shoulder, so looking healthy. Um, I know a lot of Bears fans are confident that he could have actually played last week against Detroit but of course that was not him it was Chase Daniel under center uh, so if I had to guess he's going to play um, we need him out there uh, our offense is lacking a f- you know a few different elements without him on the field so for us to have really any shot of even hanging in there with you guys we need number 10 out there this week now just to follow up on that his development as a high level quarterback in terms of the draft is it's a big part of it the defense I think is bigger but his development, we've seen turn the corner with the Bears. Can you kind of outline how he's developed as a quarterback, what he still needs to work on, and what concerns you have for his future? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last year's rookie season, um, as I'm sure you guys can tell from your perspective, it was a little bit of a downer, right? He didn't really blow anybody out of the water. There were some questions to whether or not he was the right pick at the second overall pick of that draft um, with you know Watson or even Mahomes now I mean look at what Mahomes is doing too and that's still incredible Um, but with Mitch last year he was a product of a very archaic system that we had here under the John Fox era and additionally he didn't really have much help um, in terms of the skill position he had Jordan Howard he had Tariq Cohen as a rookie but even he was still kind of uh, being left out of the offense a little bit with some questionable, you know, player utilization decisions. Um, but at wide receiver last year and tight end, um, after Zach Miller's uh, horrendous leg injury um, against the Saints, he didn't have any help. He was playing with um, undrafted free agents, uh, some journeymen like a who was that Kendall Wright out there as well. So um, last year practice system, and now this year you bring in a a whole new breath of fresh air with, uh, of course, our head coach, Matt Nagy uh, from Kansas City, bringing that creative offense. Um, on top of that, you have brand-new weapons in Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, our second-round pick out of the University of Memphis, um, and, of course, Allen Robinson, that big-body go-get-it-wide receiver, and Trey Burton, our tight end that we got from Philadelphia last year. Uh, so With Trubisky, I think what you're seeing out of him is – him being able to kind of tap into his potential because not only does he have uh, players around him who can perform, he's also put in a system that really tailors to his strengths. Um, and right now, I think you're getting that perfect mix of uh, playmakers and a scheme. He's playing right inside of it, and he's been able to kind of grow as a quarterback, um, making better decisions. In the past couple of weeks, right before his injury, I was actually getting impressed with his um Decisions he's making pre-snap, you're finally starting to see him kind of make some audibles, make some adjustments at the line. Uh, something he didn't get to do as a rookie. Uh, they didn't want him to do that, and it took a little bit of time this year for him and the new the new system to go ahead and kind of get comfortable in that. So you're starting to see him grow in those areas. I think right now uh, the issues where he can still kind of continue is his accuracy under pressure. But I think that goes for every quarterback, right? Every quarterback, when they're facing the blitz, when there's pressure in their face, uh, their numbers usually dip. So for Trubisky to kind of remain poised in the pocket despite pressure still one, right now he'll kind of rush some throws, make some poor decisions. Um, but no one's perfect. Uh, I mean, we all don't have a Jared Goff or, you know, 
um, Patrick Mahomes right now, and even them, they're not perfect. But with Trubisky, um, I think you're seeing some growth, and I think I don't really expect that to really um, stop anytime soon. Well, we can certainly understand how changing coaches and schemes and all that, you know, definitely makes a change in your in your team. Obviously, under the Jeff Mustache area that we had, you know, <laughs> going seven and nine or or less all the time. And now we've got McVeigh in there, and it, it really changed things up, and, and Goff looks much better. So with Trubisky looking better, and if he's playing, you know, obviously, was that the reason that they lost last week, you know, in the 30-27 to 27 upset in overtime to the Giants, or was it more than that? I mean, what happened? Yeah, I think it's more than that, but additionally, I think if Trubisky plays, we win that game. Um, I think with... Uh, Chase Daniel, he threw that pick six to start things off. That already put you in a seven nothing hole, and of course, you take those seven points off the board. It's an entirely different ball game for the Bears. So for me, uh, yeah, Trubisky probably wins you that game, um, but there are some other issues as well. Uh, goes to play calling uh, again. Uh, Jordan Howard, he was putting together a very strong first half, and then he only saw three carries for the rest of the game, which kind of left me kind of scratching my head. Um, additionally, uh, like Chase Daniel, um, in that overtime drive, it was like three fumbles in a row and it was crazy. I was like, I've never seen, uh, three fumbles in a row from any offense and still they're able to hold on to the ball. So for me, uh, that game, there's a lot of issues. Um, I think it was kind of a letdown game in terms of they played three games in 12 days. Then they had like a week and a half off in between games. And I think it was kind of like a, a uh, little what I think our coach called it uh, a mini buy. So I'm going to call it like a mini buy letdown kind of coming out a little bit rusty, a little bit flat footed on the road against an inferior opponent, perhaps overlooked them just a little bit. And then defense, our defense played well for the most part of the game, but just a few broken coverages, a few plays in which they've uh, let Barkley bust out a bigger game than perhaps he could have been, uh, should have, I should have said. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, Trubisky went to that game, but it still wasn't a perfect game. I think the bears came out, a little bit flat-footed, a little bit more than I really anticipated them kind of entering that week. Now, looking ahead to this game, how do you feel about the Bears' offense and how it matches up the Rams' defense? And what can the Bears do well? What do they believe they can do well against the Rams? See, that's a question I'm going to be asking you later, so I'm curious for your insight on uh, my show. But in terms of what I'm looking at, I have a hard time seeing how the Bears are going to be able to really establish a run. It's something we haven't been able to do all season long really consistently whatsoever. Um, big reason why is number 99 in the middle of the field, right? Aaron Donald, he's going to be able to uh, penetrate the pocket probably all game long. Right now at our right guard, we have uh, Witzman. I don't even remember his first name right now. It might be it's Brian. I almost called him Ryan. Uh, he's starting in place of Kyle Long here, um, and that's because of uh, Kyle Long's uh, He's having a foot injury. Uh, he may come back here for the playoffs if we still make the postseason. Of course, that's no guarantee. Um, but the interior offensive line, I think they're going to have their hands full, which is really going to make things interesting how we're going to attack this uh, L.A. Rams defense. If I had to guess, uh, it's going to be getting the ball out quick to some of our playmakers in space, whether that be a Taylor Gabriel, a Tariq Cohen, Anthony Miller, and, of course, Allen Robinson's receiver who can go up there and play with any of the best corners in the league. So uh, for me, it's going to be a lot of relying on Trubisky to kind of bring some magic out there coming back from a couple weeks off. So for me, um, when I'm looking at your defense, I guess Marcus Peters seems like he hasn't been playing up to his normal standard, and then your linebackers have been uh, perhaps a little bit a big of a what a weakness right now in your defense. But other than that, I'm a, I'm concerned about this matchup overall. Yeah. Well, the good news for us is we got Aqib Tlaib back. He was on a 
<clears throat> excuse me, he was on a pitch count last game when he played the first half. Um, hopefully he'll be able to go the whole half this time. And, you know, Derek and I were there live watching the game. And when he was in it, the, the defense was certainly different. Uh, it's a whole different defense. So if you, if you want my opinion of what the Bears are going to have to do, they're going to have to exploit the linebackers with the tight end. That's probably going to be where they can make some early success. The Rams will adjust to it, so they'll have to, to make a change later on. But that's kind of what I see happening. So what about the other side of the ball? How's the uh, how's the Rams offense look against the Bears defense? Sure. This is actually going to be a really fun matchup um, because, of course, the Bears have one of the better run defenses in the entire NFL. And despite the fact that I'm a little upset um, about what they're allowed to Saquon Barkley later on towards the end of that game, I mean, the dude's the dude's a stud. I mean, he is. And he's going to be a great running back in his league for quite a long time. But for the most part... Um, especially in the first half, they were able to hold him in check, which encourages me a little bit what they could do with the Todd Gurley. Now, of course, Gurley, he's the leading rusher in the NFL. He's going to poise um, a matchup problem each and every snap that he's out there on the field. Uh, so for me, it's going to be a great battle of strength versus strength. Your guys' you know, ability to run the ball, keep it on the ground with Gurley, um, versus the Bears' ability to kind of stop the run. And, of course, Gurley is a great receiver as a backfield as well. Um, so the Bears' linebackers, looking at first-round pick Roquan Smith, how does he match up against um, a Todd Gurley in space? It's going to be a key component to this matchup. Um, but then on top of that, too, our secondary. You're looking at uh, cornerback Kyle Fuller, uh, nickel corner Bryce Callahan. How do they match up to a Brandon Cooks and, of course, a Robert Woods as well? Uh, these one-on-one matchups are going to really make or break this game. I think the Bears front seven is perhaps a little bit better than your offensive line but i'm not that's not really a knock on your offensive line whatsoever i think that whitworth has been playing well um his matchup against Khalil max going to be of course a fun one because both these players um are high level high talent and yeah honestly i don't know how the bears will stop you guys because not many teams have um detroit seemed like you guys were uh, struggling a little bit against them which i'm going to pick your brains on here in a little bit but when you're looking at this, honestly, all across the board, all three levels of both sides of the ball, um, it's going to be a fun battle under the lights to see uh, who kind of wins this, you know, kind of a boxing match, you know, punch for punch, because it's a good defense versus, of course, a very good Rams offense. All right. So all that in mind, here we go. Prediction time. We'll start with our guests. How do you call them this game? Gosh, you guys don't come out with my official prediction until Thursday. So you guys are putting me in a spot here on a Tuesday evening. Hmm. Sorry. No, you're good. I mean, that's what, that's what good podcast hosts do. They put their guests on a spot to really put them in a position to kind of make a decision. I mean, the fan in me really sees the Bears. Uh, of course, I want to see them win because I want to see them kind of uh, stack up here in the conference because if we can't hang around with you guys, even if we make the playoffs, it's – it's not going to be sitting pretty for us, but when it's all said and done, Trubisky comes back. That that will give us enough juice to come out there, want to prove it. Prove last week was a fluke against the Giants that we're a team that can hang in there with the big boys, despite the fact that we played down to our competition in New York. Um, cold weather, Chicago football. I have the Bears winning, and if they do it though, it's going to be by less than a score. It's going to be like by th- you know less than seven points or less. Um, but if they lose, of course, I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever. I noticed he avoided actually giving a score. <laughs> oh, you want a score? <laughs> of course. 27 <laughs> 24. All right. All right, Norm. <clears throat> well, I'm kind of counting on Trubisky 
being a little bit like Goff this week, where Goff came back from the bye a couple weeks off, wasn't quite the Goff that we're used to, wasn't quite as accurate as we're used to. Although I do think the Bears' defense is going to give the Ram, the Rams' offense some trouble. Uh, Goff tends to fumble a lot when he gets uh, when he gets sacked, and with Khalil Mack back there, who obviously is very good at causing that, it does give me some concern. So for the first time this year, I'm actually going to pick the Rams winning, but not by 30 points or over. Uh, I'm actually going to go 27-20. All right, so. You know, I've I've been fortunate enough to see a Bears game in Chicago in Soldier Field. I know how it can be there. I know how cold it is. I understand how windy it can be. I understand all the problems that come with being a visiting team there. And it's gonna be twenty five degrees for me. Of all those things, there's one factor that bothers me, and that is going to be the offensive line matchup against the Bears front seven. That's going to be especially at Whitside. For as great as Andrew Whitworth has been, and I wouldn't trade him for the world, he has slowed down a little bit this season. He's been beaten a few times, and he gets beat on Sunday. It's going to be a problem. For me, I'm going Bears. Oh, Lordy. Bears 20, Rams 17. It's been probably the first time this year I've gone against. i got to be honest. So It's not a knock on the Rams. This is a tough game, and this is the game I have not been looking forward to for a while. I've, I've, the Bears always give the Rams problems. Historically, they've given the Rams problems, and I just don't happen to like the matchup being, especially at night. If it was a day game, I, well, I would probably be different about it. But I'm, I'm going Bears 20, Rams 17. So there you go. There we go. How are me pro- shocked? <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to I'm, – I'm surprised, honestly. You guys are a really good team. I'm Like, what about us, like, scares you that much? Well, honestly, I – I had you guys over. I had you guys winning the division at the beginning of the season uh, over Minnesota. I thought it was going to be a tough battle between you guys, but uh, I had Minnesota winning it until you guys picked up Cleo Mack. And when you guys picked up Mack, that was just that little bit of an edge that put me over the top. You know, defense obviously wins championships. The Bears have a long history with knowing that. Uh, Soldier Field's a tough place to play. Uh, cold weather and. You guys have more on the line than we do. I mean, we lose. It's not the end of the world. We might not get the number one seed. We might get number two if that happens. But, you know, we'd love to have the number one seed. But you guys have, you know, the division on the line. We've already sewn up our division. You guys have the playoffs in mind. So I think it it means a little bit more to you guys. You know, not necessarily – that's not how the players feel, but I just feel that there's that edge that you guys might have. And I think that's why you're going to be tough. And I'm a defensive guy. I always have been my whole life. So, you know, when I look at our defense compared to your defense, uh, you guys are tough. And honestly, I've picked every game this season, the Rams scoring over 30 points. So this is the first time, you know, they've scored 30 points on accident. And, <laughs> and in this game is the first game. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. And that's a compliment to your guys' defense. Yeah, and, yeah and on my, I appreciate that. And on my side, too, as well, I look at this game, and I remember that initial conversation with Brandon earlier in the year. And, and you know, you if you understand the game, you know what the Bears were doing. And you know they were making the right moves. And that's how it's panned out this year. 
That front seven, though, if you're wanting X's and O's actual lineup reasoning for why I'm going that way, I'm going right back to that. That front seven of the Bears is not the best matchup for the Rams offensive line. And there were a few things we saw in the Detroit game with Detroit's pass rush that were alarming. They got to Goff. They got to him. They didn't necessarily put a whole lot of sack numbers, but they got enough pressure on him, and that was already after he was not accurate for the day. So I'm sure Chicago's looking at the film and saying, okay, you know what, this is what this is what Detroit did to get pressure on God. This is what Kansas City did, by the way, because Kansas City got some there as well. And the Rams have to answer that. But when your left tackle is 30, 36 years old and he's starting to show it a little bit, you have to make some adjustments when you're going up against a guy like Khalil Mack. So that's why I'm going there. As a Rams guy, I'm, of course, I don't want to say that, but that's how it's looking for me as I'm, as I'm eyeballing the matchup. Well, and a couple other things, too. You got Malcolm Brown, who went down with a shoulder injury in the Detroit game, who's, you know, Gurley's backup. He's our, he's our power back, really. I mean, Gurley's a good back, but, you know, if we need a yard or two, Brown's the guy to really go to. And he's not going to be – he's probably out for the season from what I'm seeing in the news. Uh, might be back for the playoffs. So we're going to have to bring in Justin Davis uh, as one possibility or uh, John Kelly. John, John Kelly who played well in the preseason, but we haven't really seen him against the number one defense. So it could cause some matchup problems for you guys because both those guys are a lot different than Malcolm Brown. It'll have to make you guys game plan a little bit differently. You don't really know what to expect. But it also hurts the Rams, you know, when Gurley takes a spell. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to pass block as well. Um, So there's some issues there. But overall, this is going to be a really good game. I'm really glad it's on Sunday night football. And... Part of me is a little sad that Kyle Long might not be playing because I'm a I'm from Oregon. I'm a University of Oregon guy. I've interviewed Kyle Long. Really good guy. I like him a lot and would have liked to have seen him play. Yeah, it's been a it's been tough sledding without him for the past month. You can tell that the entire offense kind of takes a, you know a dip without him. Not just um, the level of talent he has, but also the leadership that he brings up front too. So yeah, unfortunately. Um, if we do get him back this year, it will be playoffs. Uh, current, so we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, you might get your wish here come uh, January. Yeah, there you go. There's a good chance. There's a good chance it happens. All right, so, Will, where can folks find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find out the you can find the Bears Bros um, on Twitter at the Bears Bros, of course. We're all over uh, any social media. Just look up the Bears Brothers. Um, and if you're looking for any bears like analysis and insight heading into your game week as a rams fan uh and you're looking for our podcast so we're honestly uh just like these guys here anywhere podcasts are found you can find ours as well anywhere from itunes stitcher google play uh spotify iHeartRadio. again yeah anywhere podcasts are found uh you can find us all right dude thanks so much will for coming on i really appreciate you taking the time to give us your point of view and we'll, we'll be on your show here in about a half hour so all right, sounds go. good. You guys enjoy the rest of your show, and we'll talk soon, all right? All right, all right thanks, Will. All right, so before we move on, we do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. His book, Hollywood's Team, is outstanding. Let's hear Listen, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. 
check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon on Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the net. Everyone, I've read this book cover to cover. So as Norm and Johnny. It's well worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, folks, trust me. Check it out. Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. All right, so we're back. Again, always thank you, Jim Hawk. Hawk, you've been... I can't help but be thankful for all you've done for us. And uh, we, we love working with you. Okay. So a couple questions here before we close things up tonight for you. And that is, was there really a bye week hangover or did Detroit cause us problems that we weren't looking for? I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, we certainly had, you know, a little bit of rust on. You could see that in Goff's accuracy. He just wasn't quite playing the way that he has been for the most part of the season. And I think that's bound to happen when you have a rhythm going and then you take two weeks off. But managing to have the bye and then go in and actually get a win on the road uh, is a testament to them. And overall, you know, I think when you look at the the whole scope of things, I I think it turned out okay. I I watched the game uh, on TV and then broke it down the film yesterday and there was a lot of things that happened. Uh, Detroit had some pretty good schemes. And there was a lot of ticky-tack stuff that wasn't called, a lot of holds. Uh, they were grabbing a lot of shirts, you know, with Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks uh, that they didn't call. Several times you see them tugging the back of the jersey and then letting them go, and it threw the timing off in the routes. One thing I did notice is that that call that we saw with Joyner that we thought was a bogus pass interference call. It actually was pass interference. I've seen it on the TV and being able to analyze it. So it wasn't a, such a bad call from the refs, but they missed a ton of other ones. So I think when you put all these things together, it, it didn't make us look good. But overall, I think we played fairly well, considering it was after a bye. You know, and not to complain too much about the officiating, but it does seem like this year has been rough across the league. And it's getting to the point where we're actually starting to pay more attention to the calls that are made and the calls that are missed than we should be. I mean, even look at the uh, the game we were watching when we got home, the Chargers game against the Steelers. There was a huge missed false start in that game. It should have been called, and the Chargers wasn't. Chargers go on to win. Massive false start. It was not called. And that is that's, that's problematic here. You're missing the simple things that are so obvious that uh, it, it does mar the game. So... Here's hoping the NFL can start taking a better look at how they're managing officiating. This is the worst I've seen officiating since 2001. With all these new rules and all these new things that they're bringing in and officials actually being afraid to make some calls sometimes, I can understand the position that they're in. But, you know, several times Gerald Everett yesterday, or excuse me, on Sunday, uh, when I was watching the film yesterday, there were several times where it looked like Goff just missed him by a mile. Well, he missed him by a mile because Everett was being held and they didn't call it. So, you know, that made me feel a little bit better about Goff and a little bit better about what our offense was trying to do. Uh, they just didn't get the calls. And, and in fairness too, folks, don't think I'm complaining about the Rams getting screwed over. I'm talking about fishing across the board. 
I'm, you know, the Rams are the Rams got away with some stuff too on Sunday. Oh, they absolutely, did. they did. So this is not hey, this is not saying hey, this game would have been forty four to ten if it hadn't been for the officiating. No, what I'm saying is that it's gotten worse instead of getting better. And I wish the NFL would address it. Okay, so a second question here I want to bring to your attention. We started talking about it on Sunday, and I think we're going to talk about more as the season goes on. Aaron Donald. And I, I kind of want to start our conversations about this, just as a basic question. just to, And I, I'm pretty sure you and I, are, you and I are going to agree on this, but I want to just lay it out and start, start fresh there. The next show, get a little bit deeper on it. But just starting at the very beginning, do you believe that Aaron Donald deserves to be considered for league MVP this year? Absolutely. He's, he plays defensive tackle. He's four sacks away from the sack record from the defensive tackle position. Four more sacks. He's got the record from a D tackle. I think it's I mean, six actually, isn't it? I, I think it's, I thought, I thought it looked at, it was four. It, maybe it is six, but either way he's within reach of it from the defensive tackle position. And, uh, that's pretty crazy. Most of the time, you don't see a D tackle. It's been a long time since you've seen a D tackle be that dominant, uh, or you may not have ever really seen one be quite as dominant as Aaron Donald has been. So, if he goes, if he continues on the pace that he's at right now, he's going to get the sack record. And you know, I know Mahomes has got all these records and stuff, but consider that if you give you take Tariq Hill and a few of those other guys out of that lineup and put some average receivers in there. I don't know that Patrick Mahomes has the numbers that he has. He just happens to have the perfect storm going on. And as a rookie, that's great. And he's getting all these records. But I, I don't know that he deserves the MVP more than Donald does just because of the fact that every time the Rams need something to get the momentum to change or to win the game third, fourth quarter, it's always Donald that goes in there and does it. And, and watching the film yesterday, he disrupted just about every single play. And the sack fumble, right when we needed it, you know that's what changed the momentum and got us the win. If it wasn't for that, it could have been a whole lot different result in Detroit. So, And it's been that way for a couple other games too. So I really think he should be considered for it, absolutely. Let me throw a couple things just at you. That I'm not disagreeing. Actually, this is more like you know one of those devil's advocate kind of things. One first, it, he is at 16.5, so he needs six. Um, which with four games to go, pretty possible at the rate he's been going. But when you're looking at film, when you've been breaking it down, what are you seeing with Sue? How has Sue affected him in terms of? those numbers you're talking about Mahomes and Hill and all the people he has to help him well he's got a defensive line with Brockers Sue and so on and so forth so has Sue Brockers have them have they both been able to aid him there or is this more of a individual effort from Aaron Donald I, I'm still I'm still going to say it's more of an effort from Aaron Donald Sue hasn't been quite getting the double teams that I would have expected and he hasn't been as dominant as I would have liked to have seen him be I think that if Sue were to step up his game a little bit more, uh, I think it could really make a significant difference, not only for Donald, but for the overall defense. Uh, we've seen the stats. You know, Donald's being double teamed more than 70% of snaps. And watching the game, Phil, he split the double team like three or four times. When he, when he got that sack fumble, he split, split a double team. I mean, He's one of the smallest guys out there on the field when it comes to the line, but yet he's he's one of the most dominant. 
he gets low, uses his pad level, he bull rushes, he swim moves, you know, he splits defenders. He, there isn't a move that guy doesn't know how to do. And his hands are incredible. I think that's the thing I noticed more, more about him yesterday than anything. It, it's like he's a great boxer with counter punches. He just he can put his hands wherever he wants to get control. And I just there's nobody like him. I've never seen anybody like him. I guess the closest guy that I can think of would be Warren Sapp. And Warren Sapp wasn't as fast as Aaron Donald, but he was very dominant in the inside. So and he, he was bigger. But I, I would say that even though he was bigger, he wasn't stronger and he wasn't having any more, you know, effect in like bull rushes and strength moves as Aaron Donald is. There were a couple plays where Aaron Donald took the D tackle or offensive tackle and just tossed him to the side like he was nothing. And then, of course, we saw that play where he picked Legarrette Blount up in the backfield and just threw him. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like you couldn't. I, he was like just Blount's a big guy. Yeah, tossed him like a doll. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just amazed. The more I watch him, the more I realize that there is nobody in the league like him. And on there's some really good defensive tackles. I mean, you know, if you think about the Houston Texans, you know, they've got, they've got some pretty JJ Watt, you know, and then they've got uh, what outside linebacker they got Jadavian Clowney. Those guys are phenomenal players, but I would argue that neither one of them are as dominant as Aaron Donald, not even close. And I, I have a lot of respect for J.J. Watt, not only as a player, but as a person. But when you watch side-by-side film of them, which I actually did, there's no comparison. Donald just blows him out of the water. And just to back up, because you made a point that I want to just touch on when it comes to Sue. You said he has not been as dominant as you expect him to be. What are you seeing in film to tell you that, to show you that? Well, I, I expected him. I mean, he's a bigger guy than Aaron Donald. He's more of a bull rusher, uh, more of a strength guy. And it just doesn't seem like he's getting the push like I've seen in previous years. I don't know if it's a scheme thing or a position thing. You know, we, we had him listed as a nose tackle, but yet I saw him play several times, you know, a defensive end. And it didn't seem to make a difference. Now, he made a lot of run stops, which is great. And, you know, of course, he was playing against Detroit, which is his former team. And we heard the reactions every time he made a play. But uh, I just don't feel like he's been as dominant as he has been in the past. If he could just amp it up just one more level, I think this defense would be really incre- excuse me, incredible. Okay. And so moving on here, uh, what did you see in the Rams against Detroit that concerns you about this game? Meaning, what did they show you in that game with Detroit that has you moving forward concerned? Well, I'm a little worried about you know, the pass protection. Um, Detroit did some pretty unique scheming against against the Rams. You know, and I mean, consider where their coach came from. He's a defensive guy. I think he probably spent a lot of time analyzing film and tried to figure out exactly what he could do to disrupt the offensive line. He did a good job of that. And I would expect that from him. I would also expect the same thing from the bears. However, I think after McVay kind of dealt with this, this last week, I think he's going to go in a little bit more prepared for that. Uh, I don't think you're going to see golf be as uh, rusty. And I don't necessarily think, Gurley's going to have a big impact on this game in the beginning. 
I think it's going to it's going to be a lot like Detroit where he's going to pound and pound and get a yard or two, maybe take a loss every once in a while. But then maybe later in the third quarter, you're going to start seeing some four and five yarders and then maybe break one for 30, 40. Um, that kind of seems to be the way it is when we go against a good run defense. So Detroit secondary played extremely well, and I would argue that Chicago's is better. But I also think that the Rams just weren't quite the Rams last week when it comes to their passing offense, and I have a feeling that they'll be a little bit more on track this game. So uh, that's why I picked them to only score 27. <laughs> I, I don't. Making me feel guilty for saying 17. Well, I mean, I mean you, you very well could be right. I mean, I, I'm certainly – I'm not going to argue that with you because this is a tough defense. And, you know, if if they if they can cause a turnover early against us and score, that changes the whole dynamic of the game. And that does concern me because, you know, Goff's fumbling, you know, when he gets hit and stuff. So that's why I was I was hesitant to even go 27. Uh, I just don't think that the Bears offense has what it takes to outscore the Rams at this point. So that's why I'm giving them the edge by a little bit. Well, I'm looking at this game, and I I think if the Rams are successful, it's going to be a devotion to neutralizing the pass rush. So I'm expecting to see a lot of quick, quick outs, quick slants, screens, the occasional deep shot, the occasional dose of Todd Gurley up the middle, the little things that get that defense off. And then if the if they can do those things, we'll have nothing to worry about. If they can do them successfully. And that's what I want to see. Sometimes the Rams fall too much in love with the passes that go fifteen yards and further and they can get them in trouble. Against this against this Bears defense, they can't do that. They have to account for the front seven at all times. They have to majorly protect against Khalil Mack, and that tells me they really need to have they, they need to really focus on spurring things out a little bit, making them worry about the outside short stuff. The, ding, the, ding, the stuff Detroit did to us, for that matter, at times in the yeah. third quarter. The right. quick stuff, just the dinky, dinky stuff, and then break it out. That's that's what I'm thinking. But, you know, again, my prediction, I think yours too, this isn't about the Rams. This is about respect for a good team. And good teams in the right place will will beat, will beat the Rams. So there you go. That's all I got on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still sticking with the win. I'm still sticking with my 15 and one prediction. I have to because I'm too close to it. So I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong, and I'm not doing it because I'm I'm, I'm going through my normal Rams derangement syndrome. I'm just looking at the matchup, and it doesn't feel right. There's it's it's going to be a tough one for the Rams. Okay, so guys, we are almost out of here. And before we go, we do again want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Mr. Sal Martinez in the Gold Ram Barbershop. He's been a wonderful partner with us, and we're very thankful to have him. Now it's time to give a shout-out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. 
The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's, it's like a shrine to the Rams, it, like a Hall of Fame to the Rams in a barbershop. But it, Sal also provides that really nice old-school barbershop experience talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal. All right, so it's time for us to go upon our merry way, get this podcast out to you. We do want to let you know that we are always in search of partners, of sponsors, folks to work with us in advertising. Reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. We would love to talk with you about doing some business. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me, Derek C. Paula, at DC Paula and Norm Hightower at Norm Hightower, both on Twitter. We're iTunes, Stitcher, all those places. Don't forget, please subscribe, leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Those five-star reviews especially are <laughs> pretty helpful. So, Norm, before we go, before we say goodbye for the night, any final thoughts? Well, going by your uh, your notes that you had before the game, you wanted to know what they have to do to ensure victory on Sunday night. So I'm going to go with they can't turn the ball over. They've got to win the turnover battle. Uh, with Chicago's defense, you can't afford to cough it up. Uh, they tend to score when you do. So we certainly can't have that happen. And you also wanted to know where I stood on John Kelly and Justin Davis backing up Todd Gurley. Uh, I look forward to seeing Justin Davis again. I've been high on him ever since I saw him play before. Had the little fumble issues there, but the guy, if he's still as fast as he was then now, I think he'll bring a different dynamic to this offense, which I'd like to see. And, of course, John Kelly, I'd I'd also like to see him uh, go against a tough defense and see how he actually does. I don't know if they're going to bring them both up at the same time or not. I'm kind of hoping they do if they can make room on the roster, and it'd be interesting to see what happens. All right, so there you guys go. For me, the the Rams win. The same thing, turnovers and protecting Jared Goff on Saturday. They, sorry, Sunday. They do those two things. They're good to go. And I'm not as high on Justin Davis. I'm totally in the John Kelly corner. I want to see John Kelly moved up. I love that guy. And I don't mean that in any way more than just the football man crush. Love that guy. I want to see him get some get some carries. So, yeah, you can't see him drooling right now. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, folks. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Paula. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you this Sunday night. Bears Rams Sunday night football. Time for a party. Adios. Okay.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.